0: Summer vacation. Finally, the learning is done. Or is it? Everybody sure needs a break, but Maureen Whitman is here to tell us that the learning can be incredibly fun and refreshing for the whole family. She's here to tell us about making learning fun and natural over the summer. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, bestselling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host today. Maureen Whitman is here. She's an expert on making learning and just fun and natural any time of the year, but we're really going to dive into the summertime learning here. Maureen is a wife, mother of seven children, and grandmother of seven. She is co-editor and contributing author of A Catholic Homeschool Treasury from Ignatius Press, The Catholic Homeschool Companion from Sophia Institute Press, and Why Should I Learn This from Eche Homo Press. She is the author of For the Love of Literature, also from Eche Homo. She's grateful for all the homeschool parents who helped her over the years and works to give back to the community through homeschool connections. You can find Maureen and so much that she has co-created there at homeschoolconnections.com. Welcome to the program, Maureen. Thank you, Lisa.
1: Always a joy to be here with you.
0: Yeah, we always have a good time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we really do. And that could be a whole other episode as we were just discussing. (laughs) Yeah, so this whole idea of natural learning in the summertime, just step us into a little bit of um, why that's kind of an appealing
1: mindset to step into, this natural learning? I'm going to go a little heady for just a second. Think about (laughs) how we're created in the image of God, right? We were created in the image of God. And who is God? He is our creator. What does God do? He creates, right? And so we have this natural thing in us where we want to create things, right? We, we want to create beauty and and, and build. And, and so that's a lot of where kind of my inspiration and creating a natural learning environment for my children. Children naturally want to learn. Um, you know, if we teach them to know and love our Lord, then of course, um, the next step is to learn about the world that he created for us. So for me, that's what natural learning is, all about.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense. It's so such a sweet thought, too. Our Lord created it all. How beautiful to go out and move in it and 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 kind of let our own creativity be sparked by it. Right, right.
1: You know, we want to create lifelong learners with our children and, you know, we don't want school to equal you know, drudgery—it's a drag. It, no, school should be enjoyable. It's okay to have fun, and it's okay to learn in the natural, easy way. Summer is the perfect time for that. Yeah, it sure is.
0: And uh, as you and I were talking about earlier, I had a fastidious toddler who was just a little bit put off by nature at first. So uh, <laughs> you and I had a fun conversation about this. I was always encouraging her to get dirty and get her knees banged up. And,
1: right. and <laughs> those are the best learning days, right? And, you know, you go to go to bed and the kids are a mess. They're filthy from head to toe. There's leaves in their hair and, and scrapes on their knees. That was a really good day. Those are our best days, right? When they're just we got to scrub them down in the tub before bed because they are a mess. There's sand all over the floor to be vacuumed and there's always <laughs> everywhere. Yeah.
0: My daughter would show me her bruises from climbing a tree and I would say, good for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Exactly. Means she's getting sunshine and and enjoying the world that God created for her. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> What else comes to mind
0: for you when we step out of the framework of learning and out into the natural world? What kinds of things open up?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say stepping out of the framework of learning, but stepping out of the framework of school, right? I mean, learning should always be taking place. We always need to be encouraging learning, encouraging a sense of wonder, encouraging um, questions, you know, investigations. And so, you know, summer is just such a good time for that, you know, getting outside, leaving our houses after the, you know, the last snow melts. So we should be outside too in winter, of course. Um, I mean, we live in Michigan. (laughs) If we we didn't go outside in the cold, we would never go outside. Uh, (laughs) You know, wintertime is skating and skiing and and snowman building here. But, you know, summer is just a really special time. And there's no reason why learning can't keep happening. And, um, you know, as homeschooling parents, we just need to be mindful of that. Uh, We need to make sure that we're encouraging observation in our children in a natural setting. So maybe, you know, you're at the beach, you're building sandcastles, you're building forts, and, you know, you don't turn it into a lesson necessarily, but you you want your kids thinking, you know? So for example, you know, I was telling you Lisa about a story where, you know, we were up in Canada and we're on the beach. So, um, Lake Michigan, or no, Lake Superior, and the kids are building uh, sand castles, and the water was kind of washing things away, <laughs> and we got to this conversation about erosion. It was just a very natural conversation about erosion and how what the, how that takes place and what that means, and like, can you see it happening? Like, see how the wave comes up, it's eroding, and you know what you created. How do we fix it? You know, this kind of a fun conversation, and a, a mom came up to me and said. Are you a teacher? <laughs> I said, Well, I'm a homeschooler. And she said, Okay, because only teachers talk like that. <laughs> but but it wasn't, um, again, it wasn't in a way where it's like a formal lesson, it's just talking, you know, it's sharing, it's seeing, it's observing, encouraging them to observe. And and I think they learned mm-hmm.
0: that day, you know. Yeah, and it ignites. A response from them. It's not like oh, go off and build a sandcastle. I mean, it's fine for moms to take a break and read that book on the beach. That's oh you know, my goodness, not yes. faulting them. <laughs> but there couldn't come a moment when the kids say, "Hey," because a wave just crashed into their sandcastle. That you know, you might start a conversation about, "Oh, look what the water's doing."
1: Yeah. You know, you're another example. Uh, <laughs> years ago, we were I had a daughter who had to have speech therapy, and so she was getting tested, and I had all the kids with me. And they um, put us in this little cubicle. And um, my plan was I brought a book. I'm going to read a book. And the kids are going to play because they had like Legos and stuff for the kids. So it became obvious pretty quick. Like I wasn't going to get to my book. <laughs> 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 they need some engagement. We're, what were, we're you gonna, thinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're in this uh, school administration building. And we're like in a cubicle in the middle of an office or people around something. I, I got to keep these kids engaged. So I go on the floor with the kids. And we're building Lego things. And my son's Lego creation kept falling over. So this is my kid who's, and my dad always says was smart, was born old. (laughs) He was born an old man. So he he just is always thinking about these real cerebral things, even as a little kid. And so he and I got into this discussion about foundations. And it went from the foundation of his Lego creation to the foundations in life like, right, if your life is going to be successful, you have to have a good foundation, right? You have to have that land on sand kind of conversation. So <laughs> I love it. So we're sitting there for an hour while my daughter's getting tested. They come. They're like, okay, you know, that's a whole nother story. We get a whole thing on <laughs> her speech impediment but and, and the services that she received. But uh, they came, said, she's done. You can go now. So a week later, my husband and I go back and we meet we're supposed to meet with the person who tested her to find out, you know, what we can do about helping her with the speech issue. We go into this meeting and like, everybody's there. There was the head of the special ed department for the school district in this meeting, but we were the first homeschoolers. This is almost 30 years ago. So we're the first homeschoolers they'd ever dealt with. And, um, (laughs) so they didn't know quite what to do with us. And, uh, the um, the head of the department says, you know, when you were here last week, I could hear everything you were saying to your children sitting in that cubicle. And I thought, oh my goodness, what I do? <laughs> <laughs> did, did I use a harsh word with the kids? Did I do something wrong? Well, she went on to say, you got into that conversation with your son about foundations and we were all listening. <laughs> and we were just blown away by that. There were, she's like, if this is what homeschooling is about, everyone should homeschool. Wow. Wow, yeah. I was my husband and I were in this meeting like blown away by that. But there was a simple natural thing as a mother. You get on the floor and play with my kids and engage them. So yeah, you know, sometimes it's okay, you need to have time to yourself, go read that book, but sometimes you just have to give it up and give in. Yeah. You, <laughs> and you receive too, the call. <laughs> right. You receive the call. And, and so to me, that's natural learning. Getting on the floor and playing. There's a lot to be learned playing with your kids, whether it's building Legos or playing Monopoly or whatever. It's <laughs> you can learn in those activities.
0: Yeah, And I. I, I didn't expect to mention this, so I can't cite a source on this, but I remember reading years ago as a young mom that when you get down on the floor with your child and enter into what they're creating, just acknowledging it and being with them in it, it helps them in some way, it, it creates a foundation for them to have their own point of view because they're so affirmed by that. It's interesting. You're Right. Like the most natural things help their brains and their personalities develop. Yes. Yeah. So what else, what are the kinds of things create learning experiences within your family uh, during
1: those kind of summer wanderings or? Well, for us, I mean, big things were, you know, we would go on vacation and we usually, you know, when we were first started homeschooling, I mean, we were poor as church mice, right? Um, and so vacation was getting in the car, going on an adventure. We live in Michigan. So we'd go up, you know, before 9-11, you could go into Canada really easily and, and camp and one year we did the circle tour of lake superior which was really a beautiful trip it takes like two weeks so you drive all the way around lake superior and um so th- those were really good learning experiences for us we so can turn vacation into again not school don't turn it into school uh being turned into a learning adventure you know so you know when we would go into the woods in any you know We do a lot of nature walks and stuff locally, but, and also when we're camping, but take field guides with us, you know, and that makes it more fun for the kids. You know, if, if I'm, if we're camping and we're going into the woods and I have a field guide and I can identify scat, I mean, kids love, right? Yes. Yes. You don't know what scat (laughs) is, it's animal poop. (laughs) My daughter had an animal poop phase. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, not just the boys; the girls will get a kick out of it too. So, you know, identifying that, and I can look that up in a field guide. I mean, you know, we have a little book. Oh, like right behind me here in the bookshelf. Oh no, on it's, what's it called? Scat tracks and something else. It's just this little kid book, and you can identify. You know, oh, or identifying fun. tracks, or identifying, um, you know, trees and leaves and birds and bird calls, you know, I mean, that makes that nature walk more enjoyable, but it's also a learning experience and it, it it ingrains in them that, you know, they should always be observing and enjoying. They don't have to be distracted by technology to have an enjoyable time. They can just enjoy nature, um, even just sitting in nature. You know, I used to, we when the kids were growing up, when they were little, we lived in the city. I mean, like the city, a very urban area. But there was a creek that ran behind our house. There was a little floodplain. So, there, you know, you're in the middle of the city, but you have this little wooded area. Ooh. And we're, I mean, we're, like, directly across the street from the airport. Like, oh the prop, you across the street, you're at the airport. But we had this little, you know, this little oasis right behind us. And so what I would do is I'd have the kids um, take a drawing pad, you know, a little notebook, and sit in the woods for half an hour. And they had to be quiet and they couldn't talk. I mean, they just, it was by themselves and they could write poetry, they could draw pictures, whatever they wanted in their little notebook, but they just had to, the most important thing was to observe. And, you know, my son who's 31 now still tells the story of how a deer walked right up to him because he's just sitting there quietly, not moving, soaking in nature. I mean, is that not a learning experience?
0: Oh, my gosh. I think it is. Like how many of us would even think? I wouldn't have thought, because I'm such a busy, you know, kind of a person. I have such a busy head. The thought of just having a child sit quietly for half an hour in nature is very eye-opening for me to hear.
1: Well, and then you transfer that to adoration or mass. To be able to just sit and enjoy our Lord in his presence, just as I can sit in nature and observe the trees and the animals and the birds you know so it really trains them in so many different ways so for us it was one way that we learned in a natural way I mean we used to go on walks the kids my husband used to work in in this office in East Lansing where there was a little strip of woods behind the office and we would meet him for lunch or dinner because he worked crazy hours and you know we'd go for a walk after we eat and um you know, we have like a little picnic lunch in this little wooded area. And so I just got in the habit of asking the kids, okay, how do the trees look different from when we were here last autumn? Because now it's spring or how does it look different? You know, last time we were here was six in the evening, but now it's noon. How do things look different? So just um, kind of honing those observation skills, just asking questions again, not in a schoolish way, but a natural way of encouraging them to learn, and then listen. Like, I'm not lecturing, right? It's like Socratic discussion. You don't have to lecture for them to learn.
0: Yeah, you don't even have to have the
1: answers. You're just teaching right. them to, to soak it in. Right, exactly, exactly. You don't have to give them the answers. You know, it's like training for or studying for a test, right? I'm, I'm studying, I'm, I'm, I'm cramming. Because I want to get the test right. And how many times, you know, were you in college or high school and you crammed for a test, aced that test, but did you remember it the next day? You know? But if you're thinking it through and you're answering a question and you come to the answer yourself, rather than just being told what the answer is, I think it's a lot more effective. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, there's so many neat things about that. And I know that your husband, excuse me, is a birder. And <laughs> and you, you and your husband have chosen to live in a house kind of nestled in the woods. I mean, you've
1: made choices. Yeah. We moved from the city to the country. And a lot of that was because the kids, we wanted them to be in the country. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we, live on, we live on eight acres. We have a pond in the backyard. So yeah, we have a pair of muskrats that have recently moved in. Uh, to the pond, <laughs> and you know, certain times a year we see cranes, and uh, we have bird feeders, and we have turkey and deer, and we have all kinds of. So I'm looking out because I'm looking out the window over here. We um, we have all kinds of wildlife. We have um, binoculars at all the windows, so our my house is all window. My the, back, the whole back of my house is when it's all like sliding glass doors. It's all window, and it's one of the reasons we picked this house was so that even if we're inside, we can still enjoy nature so there's binoculars and so you know the kids and now my grandchildren when they come and they see something they can pick those up and really observe what's going on out there I don't know if I recommend that in the city you know I'm looking in neighbor's windows <laughs> <laughs> but I mean you could have a a glass. Glass, right you could have a magnifying glass or you yes. could have a telescope and you know and, and and you're looking at the stars at night like encouraging it's almost like strewing right uh, like putting things out that they're going to pick up and want to learn and use and do with. So, um, you know, my, yeah, my husband loves birds. He's a big birder. I mean, his Audubon field guides uh, for birds are his, probably his favorite books on the bookshelves. And yeah, you know, we, we had an incident one time where we're sitting on the deck and my husband heard this bird call and he's like, oh, that's a whatever. I can't, I'm not the birder. I can't tell you what it was, but and I'm like, he's like, wait, get me the field guide, Get me the field guide. So I run in, I get the field guy. He finds the bird. He identifies the bird. And it turns out it's some bird that normally doesn't come into Michigan. It was like an extremely rare sighting. Oh, my goodness. He was so excited. It was like Christmas had come in July, you know. <laughs> and and <laughs> But think about what my children are learning. They're seeing their dad, like, get really excited over a bird, <laughs> exactly. A bird that created by God, right? Created for us, and 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 adds beauty to the world. And and um, yeah. I mean, I remember going to visit my dad when the kids were little, and we're sitting in the backyard. My dad loves bird feeders. So he, had, you know, he had apple tree bird feeders in the backyard, and my son Joe is telling my dad like, "Oh, now that's that kind of bird." He's identifying all the birds for my dad, and uh, my dad looks at me like. He's like five years old. <laughs> like, how does he know that stuff? <laughs> yeah, well, you've met my husband, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's how he knows that stuff. So, yeah. It, and, and then that encourages later learning. You know, I mean, what does it have to do with math and science and history? Well, he has a lot to do with it because you're teaching them to be intrigued and curious and, you know, and odd and odd. Yeah. You really need that sense of awe and, and you, you know, us parents need to model that they need to see us be odd, you know, emotions. I say this all the time. I place it on every podcast you and I have done. <laughs> People may be sick of hearing it, but emotions are contagious. And you darn well better be excited about learning if you want your kids to be excited and they're not always going to catch it right away
0: (laughs) but they do in time you know and they won't all be the five-year-old who knows all the birds either they may catch on to some other passion but you being passionate gives them permission to be passionate people
1: right so your thing might be art you get excited about beautiful art and then your, your child learns that, you know, your thing might be sports, you know, whatever your thing is, Um, you know, we can't be everything and all things to our kids, you know, um, there's not enough time in the day to teach them each and everything they, you know, in the world, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but if we create lifelong learners, they will learn it when they need it. I, I think Laura Burke was saying that years ago and it always stuck with me and it's what I live by is that, you know, homeschooling isn't about stuffing facts in the kids' heads. It's about creating lifelong learners, filling them with the desire to continue learning long after they leave our nest. You know, I, mean, I was just sharing with you, um, you know, I have a daughter who let me know recently, she, you know, we're having a discussion and she's like, you know, when I think about All the reasons my husband fell in love with me. Why he married me. Because, you know, I have, uh, I love learning, right? I um, am always searching for truth. You know, those kinds of things. um, You know, that lifelong learning attitude. And where did that come from? Why does she have that? Because we homeschooled you know, she never think about, you know, when your kid, when when I went to school, you know, I went to regular school, like, you know, most people my age uh, are family members whose kids go to a brick and mortar school, you know, by third grade, they're usually done. (laughs) Right. All of a sudden school is no longer fun. You know Um, what, why is that? You know, my granddaughters last week, they're, Four and six, three and six. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're like grandma, grandma. Let's play school. They wanted to play school. Oh, (laughs) it's adorable. Fun, right? (laughs) Playing school is fun. Yeah. I mean, how many teenagers do you know want to play school? (laughs) Right. Right? So we don't want in our homeschool. We don't want that them to ever get to that point where they feel like school is not fun. Fun. It's it's something that has to be done. Whether you like it or not, you have to do it. And you read any statistics, I mean, there are a lot of statistics that have come out in the past year or two, they have said, you know, once young people graduate from college or high school, never read a book. And even in
0: college, I'll, there are literature majors, I've heard this, that professors complain their literature majors don't really read the books. They, they use cliff notes and other summaries in order to do their work. They've just had it. I, I want to circle back to one thing, too, that you noted about your daughter, that some of the things that you instilled in her attracted the right person to her. And, and I, just, I remember when my daughter was in the public school, it took me a long time to convince my husband to take her out, but when she was in the public school, I remember talking a lot to other parents at various junctures, and one of them saying about homeschooling that they wanted their kids to grow up like everybody else's kids because they didn't want them to be weird or the odd kid out, that they wanted them to be suited for the same culture and society that other people were suited for. And on the other hand, there's this whole conversation a lot of us are having about our young adults and teenagers, that because the world is in such a state, we can get a little pessimistic about them finding worthy spouses, people to build a life with. And yet here's your daughter, who, where does she live
1: now? New York City.
0: New York City. And somehow along the way, this homeschooled girl attracted Someone who appreciated those beautiful and unique qualities in her. I love that. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, and and they're really beautiful together. He he's a lifelong learner too. I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> Praise God! Praise God! Right, right. And you also mentioned something
0: else about this kind of natural learning out of the more structured sense of our our school year work that it actually gives a gift back to the parents themselves. Say a little bit about that, Maureen, or maybe especially for new homeschoolers, what that can give you.
1: You want to be a lifelong learner too. I mean, for me, when I first started homeschooling, one of the reasons I fell in love with it is because I was falling in love with learning myself. Right? I hated history in high school but how do we learn history? It's like cramming facts in our head, but history in my home school was about reading living literature and going to museums and, you know, things like that. Like we had fun with it and I loved learning it. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so interesting. You know, even like just doing a wall timeline, you know, we did this timeline and seeing, okay, 1776, we always equate with the American revolution, right? But there was other stuff going on in the world, <laughs> and so I like see on this time like what's going on in Europe and in Asia and other Africa, other parts of the world during this time. So interesting. So yeah, I think it's really good for parents because it helps you t- come to grow closer to God. I think that a lot of homeschooling families I know and, and I can say for myself. That I am much closer to God. I'm a much better Catholic woman. I'm 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 a better friend, a better mother, because I homeschool my kids. And and maybe that's not true for everyone, but for me, that's very true. And and I've come to appreciate the world God created through learning. Alongside my ch- children, you know. And, and one thing that Starter mentioned to me is, you know, you know, one thing you instilled in me, mom, was to always be searching for truth right with a capital T truth. And so, you know, if I'm instilling that in my kids, I can't help but <laughs> catch that lesson myself and I need to always stay focused on what is truth, you know, who is God, how does how do I invite God into my life? And that's very much integrated into those daily lessons.
0: Yeah, and and you and when we talked about this earlier too, you talked about another piece that whole naturalness absolutely leads us into God's created world and closer to God in that learning process and things be having that natural opening up for us but you also mentioned that for someone heading into a more formal school year maybe for the first time it creates a kind of confidence
1: yeah yeah you know You need to get comfortable with it. And, and, you know, there is a place for formal learning and you do, I think it, you know, learning naturally over the summer, enjoying each other, seeing how much your children are learning in that natural setting does help give you some confidence. Okay, I can do this. You know, I, I am capable and you are capable mom. I mean, no one loves your child more than you and you're gonna make sure they learn. So, um, you know, I think it also gives you permission On those days when formal schoolwork falls apart, (laughs) doesn't go as planned. Believe it or not, that happens. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. They're still learning. You know, I always say we learned more from the science experiment that failed than the one that went right because we had to figure out how how did it fail. Um, You know, or if you're having a bad day and you just have to say, okay, school's done. <laughs> like we're not getting anywhere. Uh, everyone's in a mood for whatever reason, or maybe something tragic has happened in your life. Whatever it is, you can say, "Okay, we're going to the museum." You know, get out, get out the monopoly. Billy needs work on his math skills, so he's going to be the banker. <laughs> you know, get out the board games or the jigsaw puzzles, or get in the backyard, go for a walk. Your child can still learn, and you know. Hopefully it gives mom some confidence to know that she she is in control and she can still learn even when the formal lessons fall apart.
0: Yeah. What a beautiful thing to have our eyes open to all these layers of learning and our own capabilities, but also the natural
1: learner in every child. Right. I mean, children are naturally wired to want to learn. So we don't want to kill that. Right. We want to, we want to nurture that and keep it going. And and I think one thing we need to do is see what they are interested in. You know, it's not always about what we're interested in. What, what gets them excited, you know, about learning? It's like beginning every school year, I would sit down with my kids and we would plan out the school year together. They were a part of that. They would create it, you know. Um, so an example, I used to lead teen group. And one of the things we had was a book club. And um, I did that book club for 15 years, and the teens loved it. Well, when we first started, I came in with my list of books they were gonna read, Homer and Shakespeare, and they they um, revolted on me. <laughs> They're like, this is good, man. These are the books that my parents make me read. We thought this was all, this is gonna be fun about what we wanna read. I said, okay, you know? It was kind of a Holy Spirit moment, and I felt like, okay, they're right. So, okay, you guys, I have veto power, but you get to pick the books. And, you know, I never had to use that veto power. There were a couple times I was tempted, you know, and I found myself challenged. And, you know, we read some books I would have never chose that I ended up loving and becoming favorite books. And they ended up picking books that I would have picked too. You know, for example, one year, they're like, Mrs. Whitman, can we do... whole year of C.S. Lewis. Now, if I had gone in and said, we're going to do a whole year of C.S. Lewis, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think the reaction would have been a big groan. (laughs) But when they suggested it, and I'd say I love C.S. Lewis, but by the end of that year, like, I was done with Lewis for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Like, every book is pretty much the same book written for a different audience or a different, I mean, but it was a great year. You know we read the last battle and the great divorce and just we read 12 different books and yeah they chose that that's natural learning right that's them being engaged they're making the decision and i'm just there as facilitator you know so our book clubs um we did we also did a club called socrates cafe so my function was always to ask questions back to where we started right Bringing the learning out, letting them work it through, and I'm guiding them through questions. So you know, and part of it too is I was a busy homeschool mom of seven, and I did not want to do a lot of work. So <laughs> all I had to do is read the book, show up, and ask questions. I didn't have to prepare a lesson. You know, I didn't go out and buy literature guides. I mean, you know, literature guides have their their um, place, but If you rely on them too much, you can end up killing a love of learning, you know, and make that discussion, read the literature guides and then have, so that you're learning and you're getting ideas, but then you sit down and have a natural discussion. Tell me about the book. Tell me about the protagonist. What lessons did you learn? What would you have done in this person's situation? And then the book is enjoyable, but they're still getting lessons out of it. And hopefully they continue to be lifelong learners and they enjoy reading after they graduate.
0: (laughs) Okay. So we've covered a lot of ground and we just have a a minute or so left to wrap it up. So leave us with one final thought, Maureen, about this, this kind of cornucopia to use an overused word (laughs) of opportunities and natural learning.
1: You know, just again, try to build creativity. So for example, you know, I have a grandson who loves board games. So he's taken to creating his own board games. He comes over to visit and he's like, grandma, grandma, I got a new board game. And he teaches me and, and, um, (laughs) you know, he's going into third grade and, what a great way for him to learn. He's learning logic and, and you know, he's got this little engineering mind. Like he makes these fantastic Lego creations and he's so smart. And, you know, he has a mother, my daughter, who really encourages that. So, you know, sometimes it's okay to say, okay, we're going to put the formal lesson together. Cause he's making this amazing Lego creation or he's making this board game. I'm like, Richie, you're going to grow up. <laughs> He's a, like, own his own board game company and, and make a fortune, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would just leave, I think, let's just leave it at that that, you know, it's okay sometimes to get sidetracked. And in summertime, you know, can you hear my dog barking in the background? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <okay>. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> We're very
1: relaxed around here. It's, just, <laughs> it's no problem. <laughs> hopefully, one of the t- teenagers in the house, hopefully, one of them goes and lets them outside. <laughs> But yeah, so summer, you know, have summer reading. You know, I, we, we can link to some good summer reading list, but let them pick the books. You know, maybe reading is going outside under the big oak tree and reading. Go on nature walks. If they want to, you know, draw comic books or make board games, whatever, that's all learning. And, and rejoice in that and be a part of it. And yeah, get dirty. Leaves yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are okay. Uh, just turn off that technology. And let your kids be bored. And when they're bored, that's when creativity is born out of boredom. So.
0: Amen. Yeah. No, that's a really good thing. That's a great note to end on. Boredom is a good thing. That's like a gateway into creativity. Thank you, Maureen, so much. As always, I I, I kind of like want to go on for two hours. We are talking about long podcast episodes right before we ran and we, yeah. we just had so much fun. It could, we could go on and on. But thank you again so much, Maureen, for making it doable to making it welcoming for all of us to be able to step into these beautiful, happy memory-making, lifelong learner-building experiences that anybody can do.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to give one more note because I just, you know, (laughs) 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 probably one of the best gifts you can give your kids. I mean, one of many, but one of them is um, giving them a beautiful, fun childhood. You know, you want your kids to grow up and say, I had a great childhood. And that's part of homeschooling. And and it's part of learning. Is you know, right. I mean, if I'm out observing nature or going on walks or whatever it is, you know, building board games or, or making comic books. Those are fun memories. And doing it with my mom endures me to my mom, endures me to my siblings because they're playing together. They're not off by themselves, right? In a screen. They're outside playing together. So you're right. It goes beyond learning. You're, you want to create a beautiful childhood for your children. So they'll look back on that and they'll have a joyful adulthood because of it. Yeah. Praise God.
0: All right, everybody. Thank you so much. This is the wrap up for our season. We'll be back soon. Have a beautiful summer. We are praying for you. Please pray for us too. It's been a wonderful year. Thank you for being with us. God bless you. That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.